Welcome to Everything Speaks If You Listen with Jen Cobbleworks, where we befriend our humanity and the sacred through story, soul questions, and everyday life. I'm your host, Jen Cobblewilhoit. Hello, hello, hello. It's so lovely to be in shared space with you. I love recording this podcast and I love the conversation that it generates. Thank you for emailing me questions, for entering into dialogue. Um, This shared effort, this shared kind of collaborative spirit, this shared I wonder Um, Have you thought of, here's my perspective, what do you think about that kind of community through curiosity and questioning is rich, abundant soil for me. And I really appreciate and enjoy so much the engagement I get to have with you all, obviously through email and, and, um, video chats and things like that since this is a a platform <clears throat> excuse me a platform where people cannot talk back immediately but last week I said let's talk about Sisyphus and repetition and redundancy and the beauty of that and also our fear and horror of that and I do want to go there but just not this week I changed my mind Um, I thought it'd be nice this week to address some questions since we're celebrating questions and the community that creates gets created when we ask them just the community within and the community we feel with our own, our own being, the way we get to know ourselves when we engage with our own questions, the way we get to build community anamkara, that soul friendship with sacred, when we dance around questions and um, dance with questions. I thought I get some questions fairly often and it might be nice to share them with you and, and go through two or three here in the podcast. So it's like a mailbag week. Um, the first question I get quite a bit is why do you have so many names for spirit? I also get this as why don't you say God more often? I also get this as how come you don't talk about Jesus? All right, so um, the short and direct answer is that I don't always use the word God because sometimes that word is hard for me to say and talk about without carrying huge, heavy, complicated, sometimes very painful, confusing, stormy stories with me. And um, when I'm engaging in conversation that's exploratory and discovery-based and and open-hearted and open-minded and open-handed, and I want to be in a position of giving and receiving, of, of mutual exchange. I want to be open and receptive to what, what spirit may be saying, but also what I may be saying and my life may be saying and what others around me may be saying. The word God is just so loaded and heavy for me in my experience that I have a hard time staying open and in a posture of curiosity when I use it a lot. It's a term that I have affection for. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I just have affection for God. Like, yeah, God's okay. It's like the term, the word God, I sometimes have like a closeness with, but it's situational. And um, uh, yeah, it's situational. <laughs> so... I I use it sometimes when it feels right and then I don't use it intentionally because I want to 
I just want to honor the fact that it's a complicated word for me and has a complicated history with complicated weights and measures with it. And when I'm trying to stay open, like I said, I, and really be open to God, like not using the term that immediately closes doors is really helpful for me. Um, I had a friend who's a spiritual director always remind me graciously, compassionately, and very directly and succinctly, she says, choose the language when you're exploring that offers you shelter. And I think that's very wise and very loving. That God is not a word that always offers me shelter. Um, and it doesn't create bridges, which kind of is the longer answer for why I use many different words for spirit, why I say love, the universe, presence, loving presence, sacred, the divine, the holy, the one, the beloved, um, why I have all of these different words and I use them so often because the, the, the great unknown, here's another word, mystery, spirit, sacred, is always something that's very intimate and personal for me. And I believe it's intimate and personal for each of us in different ways. Um, and it's also bigger than what I can fully comprehend or know or engage with or even just take in or make space for in my humanity as it is right now. It's like um, there's a a dilation or like a, a size, a, a, a shrinking and expanding ray, like a notion of of being really big and also can being really small. And, and I mean, like just um, massive, like a, like a cosmic scale, like galaxies and then tiny, like a, a muon or a, a quark within a molecule. Like it's sacred feels like it has this capacity to, to be, to exist in many different sizes, I guess. And many different, um, just, yeah, just capacities. It's energy and presence is, can be so big and unfathomable and also so small and kind of hidden and mysterious. And then everything in between that allows for this kind of unique, intimate relationship that I feel like it needs uh, for me a variety of names to kind of remind myself of how variety based and um, it, yeah, how just diverse and expressive spirit is. So multifaceted would be the word I think that's coming to mind. So there's this like, um, sometimes I, I say love or the universe because I'm trying to capture something that feels universal and massive and big. And other times I might say the Holy Mother because I need something that is particularly intimate or direct or relatable to my current human expression and experience. All, all of these words express some aspect of what I understand the sacred to be while leaving room for the sacred to be something that I will never fully understand. I want always to honor that the divine is, in, in my understanding, my belief, within me and within all of us and within everything, but it also has its own... Uh, beingness and and nature and like life is too small of a word but its own just um presence and power that is also different from me so it's like um I love I wish I can remember the rabbi's name who said this but I love this this and I will research the source because it's very important but um there was a rabbi who taught that we can see 
the divine as the sun and us as rays of the sun. So we can't ever be separated from the sun, but we're expressions of the sun. But to say that the sun is nothing but an expression of light is missing other qualities of the sun. And so we, um, when I use lots of different words for spirit, love, the universe, sacred, God, I feel like I remind myself that there's always something about sacred and spirit that I don't know. And there's always a part of their identity and a part of their expression that I'm still getting to know. And always some part of their expression and identity and and being and force and presence that I may never fully know. And also something that recognizes that they, for lack of a better term, shapeshift. They can be very intimate and they can be very, it can they can feel very vast to me and they can feel so small and hidden that I can hardly find them at times. So a variety of words helps me address and honor the stories in me that feel very challenging and that get in the way of my own connection. So I sideline them sometimes and engage with them when it feels right as I go through my own healing journey and reconciliation with, with spirit and self. And then a variety helps me honor um, both the known and the unknown qualities, the fathomable and the unfathomable qualities of spirit. I also, lastly, use a wide variety because I, I think there's just a limit to our language that we can't, that I don't know that any, I, I think language see how I'm struggling to find a word? It's like uh, my voice box is trying to be so allegorical and metaphorical right now. (laughs) As I search for a word, I'm trying to also express how words are incomplete expressions of things. That's neat. Anyway, um, I think language is a beautiful uh, encapsulation of how we're feeling. And language is this bridge as well. And it's this, it's this expression of human experience and a, a longing and a reaching out from within to connect with another. It's language is invitational. It's expressive. Um, it's representational, right? It does all these things, but also it's it never it never quite captures the fullness of something. It's always an attempt, a beautiful attempt. But the minute that we give voice to something, the minute we say something, we give it a name, a word, we are saying yes to some qualities and saying no to others. You know, when we say like, this is a chaise lounge and it's not a chair, we have defined something about chaise that is... um, includes and does not include qualities of what we might just generically say a chair. So there is a, 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 a gathering in and then an, and leaving out. There's an editing process the minute we say something. And this is just part of language, but this is part of like being alive in general. We all know this. We have these concepts right? These thoughts, these ideas, these feelings, we have this ineffable quality to life. And it's like the shared energy that's kind of just among us in our community of vibes, so to speak. And we have ideas and feelings and thoughts in our head, and they are intangible. I mean, they may come from real experiences, but they aren't things. And as we open our mouth and let these ideas and these intangible things cross that threshold of our voice and our mouth, we start to give them shape with words. Words are like the beginning of a sculpture that's happening. We're giving something shape. We're, we're giving it body. I mean, this is actually a beautiful time to remember that, that lovely poetry in, in the Pentateuch, in what Christians call the Old Testament, in the beginning, or I'm sorry, um, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was uh, made flesh. That's actually not in the Pentateuch. I apologize. That is in the book of John in the New Testament. Um, 
Anyway, in the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh. So this notion that the intangible becomes tangible is um, prevalent and existing throughout our spiritual communities and lineages as above so below kind of thing so and then we we see this even in our artistry and our productivity we have a notion about something we make it real right we have an idea oh what do you want to have for dinner uh let's grill some vegetables and i'll make a big harvest salad we start with the conversation, we have the idea, then we actually chop the vegetables, we put them on the fire, and then we eat them, right? So the idea becomes something physical. Words are the beginning of of create creation. They're the beginning, not just spiritually, but our own spiritual and human experience of creation starts with this threshold of speaking. And um, then it goes on into other practices, right? It becomes more and more embodied. The intangible becomes more tangible as time goes on. So, and as we as we collaborate and lend our creative effort towards it, um, and as we rest and receive with things, which is another way of saying, the more we engage, the more things kind of take a shape. We create them, co-create them. Anyway, If you are talking about something as big and nebulous and yet intimate and paradoxical and mysterious and yet known <laughs> as like God, mystery, the divine, um, it, you can't, you, you can speak around it to, to me, you can speak around it, you can try to give it definition around some of its characteristics, but you can't ever fully capture it. And you also can't fully capture all of the histories and all of the human expressions, um, both beautiful and painful and everything in between around who and what God is and what sacred is. Like, it's not just one tradition that has things to say about who and what sacred is it's lots and lots of traditions. It's not just 2023 that has something to say about that. It's thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It's not just official institutions and churches that have things to say about this. Who God is and what God is doing in our lives is a fundamental existential question that humanity confronts and engages with and dances with. And the more words I use to describe or name that that god that divine presence that sacred the more i feel like i remind myself that there is a braided path through time and culture and through the human desire to take the intangible and make it tangible i just feel like i'm reminded of the paradoxes and the messiness and the vastness of what it is I'm talking about when I don't use the same word over and over again. This was a long way of basically saying, I think God's too big to be in a corset, you know? Um, <laughs> God doesn't stay in one lane. The Divine Mother does not necessarily walk on two feet. Uh <laughs> <laughs> they are wild and mysterious. Okay. The other question that I get uh, pretty often associated with not only the cards that I design and sell and offer and teach with, but cards I use in my own practice and cards that other people use that I may not be as familiar with is this, how do you engage with cards, prayer cards, oracle cards, tarot cards? This whole business of cards is very um, all multifaceted also. And I have a number of people who reach out and say, you know, I was raised and with 
degrees of caution around items like this all the way to outright being told they were immoral and wrong and dangerous. And I have people say, but I'm curious about them. And because I've been given cautionary and even terrorizing tales about them, I don't know how to engage with them. So I just want to honor that there is a large spectrum of interpretations of what these kinds of cards do and what power they do or don't have and whether they serve us or don't as humans and whether they serve our spiritual path. I just want to honor there's a lot of opinions and thoughts on that. And because I get this question directed to me, here are my thoughts on it. Always, 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 I want you to be listening to your own experience and your own thoughts on this because um, ultimately plumbing the depths of your own relationship with a tool like oracle cards or tarot cards or your prayer cards or guiding cards, you're developing your own relationship with this is what will provide you the most trust and the most peace of mind at the end of the day. My take on it is that um, some of these practices, some of these cards, prayer cards, like with a saint or an angel written on them and a prayer on the back, and then uh, definitely tarot cards have a long history rooted in particular cultures and time periods. And we need to be very respectful of that. Tarot cards have a rich history in the Romani people, and I cannot speak to that culture. I'm not a part of it, and I have not studied it, and I have not had teachers within that culture. I do know that they consistently experience marginalization, abuse, and disenfranchisement. And when that happens, commodification of people's culture takes place. So it's important, I I think, to just recognize that. Because when we're studying, say, tarot cards and perhaps our interest in them, recognizing some of the history and the theft and commodification that goes on in that history with the Romani people absolutely does affect how people outside of that culture receive the wisdom of the tarot. We just have, it's just the boils down to phrases like consider the source. So I am very interested and have been for years since I was in college in tarot, for example, from kind of a Jungian and archetypal perspective, from a heroine's journey perspective and a hero's journey perspective. There is a many arcs and kind of storytelling frameworks that the tarot outlines that shows um, the path of a human being going through different experiences and spiritual explorations and transformations and just deepening growth and maturation. And I, I really enjoy studying that kind of symbology and applied symbology. I do not believe, um, for me, I do not believe that any card tells the future, that it, it, that it absolutely says, forecasts and says, this is what is going to happen. The reason I don't believe that is because I hold a, a deep, abiding connection to um, possibility and to hope and to uncertainty. I believe it scientifically, like we, the future isn't written for us. So we have a live on the horizon of each moment, just in terms of like quantum physics, we have a live at the horizon of every moment, all possibilities, good, bad, everything in between. 
And so in the world of quantum physics, we're creating all these quantum universes, alternate universes all the time, because every moment has all these infinite choices. There's just this infinite unfolding going on. And the, the math and science of this is gets beyond me, and I'm not going to get into it now. But I do believe in that, in that frontier-like edge, that a moment is not... Um, is always a precipice experience. Every moment we're experiencing has potential and then a decision is made. So again, this intangible to tangible, we make a decision, we take action. We have created some kind of path by doing that, some reality of doing that. But every moment has this potential. So there's like this constant facing of infinity and possibility that is happening with us all the time and it's too overwhelming for us to really take in we would never do anything we would just sit around and stare at the ceiling fan and like drool out of our mouths if we really tried to operate taking in this this scientific principle that all things are possible in every moment right but this spiritually works for me too because um, in the face of uncertainty, in the face of unknown, I can feel as a human being a great deal of stress and anxiety, but I have to be reminded that if it's truly uncertain and unknown, then all kinds of possibilities of hope and growth and what I would label as good outcomes are also alive on this frontier. And if I am engaging with spirit and recognizing that spirit is mysterious, that there are things I don't know about spirit, then I have to like always be leaving room for what I don't know. And um, that, that all correlates to me as like, we create the path by walking it, like we create the future step by step, but it's not necessarily known in advance, or we're just faded and destined. That said, I do believe that there are weather systems about. And just like we have meteorologists, and I think astrologers can be like, you know, cosmic meteorologists, and just like our feelings can create kind of a weather system internally that sometimes, you know, gets shared or bleeds over into other <laughs> people in our shared spaces. Um, yeah, there is sometimes a scent on the air of something, of like, this isn't definitely going to happen, but I can feel, quoting from Game of Thrones, winter is coming. You know, does that mean winter is going to be a total nightmare? Not necessarily, but like if you, if it's cold out and the plants have lost all their leaves and no food is to be found and everything's super quiet and dormant, like, you know, you get clues about that in advance. So I do think there is this fine line with traditional card systems like tarot where you can pull a card and experience a mirroring effect um, and an invitational respect uh, effect a kind of community engagement with yourself and how you're feeling and kind of maybe how the air around you or the energy around you is feeling or even what sacred might be wanting to tell you. And part of that is like how you frame the question. I don't think there's a right way or wrong way to frame it. But when I engage with the, this tool of symbolism, this tool of storytelling, this tool of mirroring, I, I do engage with it as kind of a weather system check of like, what am I maybe not seeing within that wants to be more present to me? Or is there an invitation alive this day that I could carry with me throughout the day? An invitation towards awareness or growth or connection? Or is there something that sacred would like to share with me that I'm not immediately receiving through my prayer or meditation or other things? I might ask questions like this and pull a card. Is it um, the hard and fast, unwavering truth and a doom of fate? No, because I just don't believe in dooms of fates and unwavering anythings. I believe in a changing, dynamic, co-creating, relational world, including a spirit, relational, spiritual world. These cards I pull are 
Invitations to consider. Invitations to get curious. Invitations to explore. Um, Invitations to see if they resonate or if they don't. So sometimes I pull a tarot card just to, because I'm, it feels right. It feels great. And because there's something deep down inside of me that I can tell maybe wants to be shared or expressed or something around me that wants to be shared or expressed, but it's without language at this point. And so pulling something that has a symbol, something that has a, a rich thing that I can dive into and get curious about and relational about and engage with and has a a lot of room for interpretation that can feel really good when I feel like something wants to be said or shared, but it doesn't really have English on it yet. So I like, I like symbols and I like, I like structures that help us map the human experience. I love a teacher named Lindsay Mack, and I will share a link. She has a wonderful podcast called Tarot for the Wild Soul. She talks a lot about um, a spiritual and soulful approach to tarot that I find to be very compassionate, trauma-informed, very gentle, and incredibly respectful of the various lineages that this practice comes from. And I have a, a teacher, Jeff Hinshaw, who I've mentioned before, who does astrology and tarot. And I think he has, they have a lovely approach to um, the lineage of this practice and the mirroring invitations that it can offer as symbols and milestone markers for us to think about and consider. So all that said about considering the source and knowing the future, that's how I engage with particular tarot cards. I try to find teachers that respect the lineage culturally of the Romani people and who recognize and name the position that they are coming from so that I know when they're telling me something, I'm understanding contextually what they're telling me. If I'm learning from a teacher who tells me about any subject that they know everything there is to know about everything and that they offer the end-all be-all of solutions, that's usually not a kind of teaching relationship that I resonate or vibe with really well because I'm, well, you know, I'm like, I enjoy exploration, debate, dialogue, and curiosity. So somebody who absolutely says, this card means this and it it tells the future or it is a dangerous, bad, evil tool or it is the salvation that will tell you everything you need to know in life. Any strong ideology around a tool like that, I just, in general, I, I don't subscribe to because I don't subscribe to those those kinds of mindsets in anything in life, really. Um. There is a wonderful book that talks about tarot and Christianity. I'm very interested in that. There is a history within veins of Christianity that used the tarot much like stained glass windows and cathedrals, again, for a kind of storytelling and a spiritual exploration, a kind of almost, not exactly stations of the cross, but just if you were to model your life um, along the pattern of Jesus, of Christ, then what kinds of internal and external experiences might you go through if you were to choose a Christ-led path? And they used the tarot to help, um, help them stay in close relationship to Christ. Um, so that the tarot was a companion on their spiritual journey. And I find that very interesting. I will look, link a book that is dives into some of this in the show notes. It's really, really long and has super small print. And I don't, I don't want to sound like an illiterate person by saying it's a drag. It isn't, but woo, it's a, it's a doozy to get into. If you have any um, recommendations on on people who you trust and and enjoy learning tarot from, from all kinds of perspectives, you know, let me know. I always like to hear new things about that. Prayer cards are 
they have a long history. I was raised Protestant. We didn't have prayer cards. My Catholic friends had them. And they, my re- relationship with them is kind of like tarot in that I, I honor and respect that there's a tradition here that was given over to me by my by some of my Catholic teachers and guides, but it was a gift that I was given. It's not something that I was raised with and they aren't my, they are my borrowed grafted roots. They are not the roots I was born with and into. Um, well, except for f- farther back generationally in me when um, more of my family was Catholic. But these are cards that when I engage with them, they are anchoring cards. They are deep spiritual friendship cards that remind me of my communion of saints, remind me that um, there is a, a life of vibrant here on earth and perhaps realms of, of other planes of existence and that I don't readily see with my human eyes, but that doesn't mean there isn't community and friendship and allyship and love and, and uh, support in those realms. So I do keep prayer cards with me sometimes of particular saints. I have a close rela- relationship with St. Michael and um, a, a growing relationship with um, Raphael. I am getting to know Bridget. Um, there are aspects of prayer cards that highlight angels, archangels, and saints. And they offer this window into something extraordinary about this being or this person. Something that they're this kind of their signature move, you know, I go to Michael when I need a sense of courage and protection, a sense of tenacity, a sense of deep inner faith and confidence and um, longevity to to walk a path that may be hard, that's something I'm struggling with. So when I deal with some flare-ups with my health and some worries that feel like they come in a very repetitive way to me and they really they really drain my spirit they really challenge me saint michael with his stalwartness and his um his name meaning to a reflection of god um he is his face mirrors god is what his name means um his his he's often with carrying a sword and with me is is associated with fire He's not somebody imposing and scary and necessarily like violent and doing battle, even though he has lots of stories of him embattled and doing battle. But what he represents for me is a and kind of iron will and a, and a tenacious presence, a fierce loving protection that makes me feel safe and guarded and protected like, like, like he has my back. And I carry his prayer card with me sometimes when I don't always have my own back. And other saints and angels and archangels, um, these prayer cards, that's how I engage with those. They, they anchor me and they anchor me in spiritual community and they help me name in my own humanity what I feel like I'm longing for or wanting to grow and it hasn't ripened or matured in me like I maybe I'm not as brave or courageous or stalwart as I want to be I can I can call on Michael to not only grow that quality in me but to and to mentor me but to to provide that for me in my stead when it's not fully mature in me yet and and that again is a feeling of anamkara it's a feeling of soul friendship and the prayer card itself is not it's not something that I'm worshiping the card, and um, it's it's a an anchoring reminder of what I feel like I'm needing, what I'm hoping to grow and nurture, and what I want and need to receive. With my own cards, which fall into this kind of 
the kind of guide cards, so like the step-by-step examine cards, those are cards that just lead you through a a process, through a practice. They're there to be your friend so that you can build a habit, build a rapport. Those are purely instructional to me, and I love any kind of card deck that just helps me get through something that I'm trying to learn. Um, The tangible, like having something in my hand, is a great tool for me. If I just if I just think about it, I don't do the practice. If I'm holding something that helps me go through the practice, um I tend to do it more. In the same way that like I don't see recipe cards as necessarily they're they're like in this category for me of as my step step by step examine cards. If I just have a di- bunch of digital files of recipes, I don't tend to really engage with them. They're locked in this intangible ether world of thought and idea. Like, wouldn't it be great if I make this, but a cookbook or a recipe card that I'll engage with more and cook from because it, there's something to like hold. And so um, I like a good instruction manual, I guess, even though, even though if I buy something new, that is a tool. The last thing I do is read the instruction manual. Usually I break things, break myself, cause a mess, curse, cry, and, you know, create chaos and then go, oh, I should have read the manual. So anyway, love and hate relationship with instructional cards. The other two decks that I make are more in line with what people will call as oracle cards. These are my compassionate question cards and the I wonder cards. I have lots of decks from other makers that I adore that fall in this category of oracle cards. Again, there are people in who view these as forecasting and foretelling, and I don't resonate with that. These are similar to tarot cards in that for me, they are a mirror. They are And they're only a possible mirror. They're an invitation. So there's something you can say no to. You can pull one of these cards and say, is this, is this an invitation, a feeling, an energy, a question that I want to carry with me today? Is it something that's resonate? And if the answer is no, put the card down and like set it aside. (laughs) It's just a, it's just a, hospitality just an open hand to me like uh do you want to consider this today i will say that um people will sometimes talk about oracle cards as being channeled or inspired by sacred and those are words that we can unpack another time but i will tell you this when i <laughs> The I wonder cards and the compassionate question cards, I feel like I received them. I feel like I received them and was asked to give them form. And I guess that's maybe what I mean by channeling. These felt like a gift from spirit to me with an invitation of please share these with other people. Not all people will resonate with these, but there are people who would and I would like this invitation, set of invitations to come through you in your unique style Jennifer and and you offer them to people that they resonate with so they felt like a gift in the way that sometimes even fiction writers say I felt like the whole story was just given to me or I had a whole dream about this thing it was fully formed and I you know I just painted the painting as I saw it in my dream we I think many of us have experiences like this where we just feel just feel something kind of whole and complete down deep inside and we just have to go do it we just have to blot buy the plane ticket and go see our sister or go on that date or go to that interview or we we just get a a compelling sense to step forward and do and um those two decks especially the i wonder cards came through like that it was just uh it felt like a gift from spirit. They also are things I'm in relationship with. The compassionate question cards, I kind of argue with spirit about. I kind of want them to go in some different directions. Um, I think sometimes I feel that way because they can be more provocative and in, invite more exploration internally than I always sometimes want to do. And I think cards like that, 
they can, yeah, really put highlights on some of our cobwebs and corners, some of our closets, our floorboards under the beds of our souls, so to speak, and, and show us stuff deep down inside that maybe we have not looked at before or brought to light before, or we consistently don't want to bring to light or look at. So, um, I, I do just want to say without those types of cards like tarot, that's, I don't engage with them as, as being something that unequivocally tells the full truth and forecasts. They are invitational, they are reflective, and they are meant to be engaged in with ongoing dialogue and exploration it's not a one and done that's it your day has been branded with this theme good luck (laughs) okay well this was two questions that um i spent longer on than i thought we can do some mailbag questions in the future but i wanted to bring these two up and share them with you because hopefully they they give you some things to think about in your own spiritual journey, in your own human journey, like how you go day to day. Um, how do you encounter the sacred? What do you name as sacred? Um, are you comfortable giving a name to a kind of entity or does it feel better to just say it doesn't feel like an entity it just feels like something that gets emerged through through me and and in relationship with other people um are you somebody who says i really love the words of from of god from my tradition and they make me feel connected to a lineage that's really fruitful and nourishing to me um listen to that this week maybe like you know if that if that question feels good to you, listen to that. Um, does it feel expansive or does it feel um, contracting to consider lots of different words for spirit? Does it feel intimidating and scary to have lots of words and evoke this sense of vastness and mystery? Does that create a lot of discomfort or does that invite a sense of possibility or maybe both noticing how we respond to questions really any kind of questions helps us get to know ourselves better and it helps us befriend and understand what we name as sacred which is where we find meaning where we find belonging where we find um, hope where we find purpose in this life that we're living. That's what I'm talking about when I say sacred. And for some people, it is intimate and kind of present. And it it is for me, but it comes under lots of different names. But I have friends who are atheists and agnostic, and, and they experience this in very different ways. They say, no, it's not a being or a force. Um, it's just some preciousness and some deep, profound experience that I get to have in this life right now. The spectrum of all of these experiences among us and the spectrum of experiences and responses you're going to have within yourself, to me, that is sacred. It is beautiful, however you're answering these questions. And I think there are relevant questions that are with us. Who and what is the sacred to you? What is it doing in your life? It's a massive question. It's not something you answer in a short essay for school, but it's something you engage with over and over again and in different ways, maybe looking at a broad spectrum of names or staying away from names or rooting yourself in the traditional names uh, that you grew up with or that other people grew up with. You know, maybe it would be lovely to notice where you are as a first step in that conversation about who the sacred is and what it's doing in your life. And for those of you who also love the practical questions like I do about, hey, there's this tool, I'm seeing it everywhere from Target to the local shops in my neighborhood. They're oracle cards, they're prayer cards, they're tarot cards. Um, How do you engage with that? Again, trust your inner wisdom, explore different things, challenge yourself, comfort yourself, provoke yourself, stretch yourself. 
question yourself around these things, and then notice how you react. But I really appreciate the opportunity to tell you how um, they work for me, both as a maker of some of them and as somebody who is a student of some of them. And uh, if they, they if they are tools that resonate with you, I share your enthusiasm and hope they continue to companion you well and bring you into a deeper sense of compassion with yourself and with life and with the divine, however you name that. Okay, next week, maybe we will get to Sisyphus. Um, And uh, maybe we won't. For those of you who are still interested The Halloween course is up. It is a short course that it just lifts the veil of some of our archetypes around this holiday and asks some beginning journaling questions about what the underworld journey is like for you. What kinds of images and symbols are alive at this holiday right now and vibrant and speaking at this holiday in this season right now that at first may seem scary and a put off but but are nagging at you one way or another and and what when you engage with those symbols more what is being said about your connection to yourself your connection to where you're finding meaning, your connection to your identity, your connection to your seeking path right now. Ghosts, monsters, bones, costumes, masks, all of these things evoke these deep down questions about who am I and who am I becoming? And um, those are other two sacred spiritual questions we're always dealing with. And this little course on Halloween, it's just a It's just lifting up that veil a little bit to get you thinking about how, yes, even in the humdrum commercialization of candy and horror and scariness, there is an opportunity to get closer to yourself with love and to get closer to spirit with um, where you might want more healing or growth or tenderness beneath that veil of fear. All right, links for that are in the show notes It's $19 and comes with a big love and hope journal with some lovely space and stories in there. Thanks, friends. I will talk to you next week. Thanks again for joining me on today's podcast of Everything Speaks If You Listen. I really appreciate your time, your energy, your engagement. And if you liked or loved this podcast, it would mean a lot if you could rate it for me, give it the old five-star review or the thumbs up or whatever your application asks you to do to say, I like it. And then if you could share it with a friend or family member that you think might vibe with it also, that would be great. I deeply appreciate the care towards the admin part of this kind of stuff in relationship, as well as you just tuning in. If you'd like to know more about me and my work, there are links in the show notes. You can visit me at jencobbleworks.com. Hang out and talk to me on Instagram at cobbleworks or sign up for my newsletter where there are some stories and free comics and art and self-reflection worksheets given every month and lots of fun, deep email exchanges between me and you, if you enjoy that. Thanks, friends. Take care.